What's up, everyone? It's your host, Mario Fraioli, and we are back with the second installment of our monthly crosscast series that I'm co-hosting with Danae Doremi, host of the Grounded podcast. And in this episode, we, well, we cover a lot of ground. We talk about the music we've been enjoying. We discuss some recent events that excited us, like the World Indoor Championships in Serbia, the New York City Half Marathon, as well as the upcoming Boston Marathon. We talked about where we're each at in our respective running journeys right now, brought up some recent developments in the running industry, and a lot more. Before we dive in, a big thank you to New Balance for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're looking for a go-fast shoe for workouts and maybe even racing, look no further than the Fuel Cell Rebel V2. I absolutely love this shoe. It's lightweight, it's low to the ground, and it's incredibly lively. It is just so fun to run in. The Fuel Cell Rebel V2 is available in both men's and women's sizes on newbalance.com or at your local run specialty retail store. Check them out and give them a try today. This episode is also brought to you by Gooder, my favorite sunglasses for running, driving, walking the dog, and pretty much everything else that I do outside. Not only do they look good, they don't bounce, they don't slip, and they're polarized to protect your eyes. Best of all, they are super fun. I'm personally a big fan of the OGs, and my favorite colors are a Ginger Soul and Mick and Keith's Midnight Ramble. Gooders are also very affordable, with most pairs coming in at just 25 to 35 bucks a piece, which makes them way more appealing than those expensive shades that you're almost guaranteed to crush or lose. So if you'd like to support me in the podcast, treat yourself to a pair or two or three of Gooders and head over to Gooder.com slash Mario and use the code Mario15 to get 15% off your entire order. That's G-O-O-D-R.com slash Mario and use the code M-A-R- IO15 to get 15% off your order. Your face will thank you. Finally, member and lottery registration for the Atlanta Journal Constitution Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta, Georgia is going on right now. Peachtree is one race that is truly for everyone. Runners, walkers, elites, first timers, the race welcomes you no matter your speed or ability level. This year's race will take place on Monday, July 4th, and it will be a citywide celebration on the streets of Atlanta. Atlanta Track Club members will receive guaranteed and lowest price entry. You can join the ATC today, even if you don't live in Atlanta, and then just sign up for the Peachtree and you will be guaranteed to get in. Non-members must enter through the lottery and will be notified if selected on April 4th. In-person registration is only open until March 31st, so be sure to get it in today. Virtual registration is open until May 31st. You can register today at AJC.com slash Peachtree. That's AJC.com slash Peachtree. Okay, that's it for the introduction. Please enjoy this second installment of our monthly crosscast series called Common Ground. This is me and Danae Doremi. Yeah, I actually went to a concert last night. We 
kind of made a spontaneous decision on what I call a school night, like a Wednesday. Yeah, we call it the same thing. To go to a concert in Santa Fe, which is like an hour north of Albuquerque. Um, We decided to go about two hours before. So it was a very spontaneous decision. And it was a free concert for kind of this indie folk, like singer-songwriter that I enjoy listening to. Her name is Danielle Durack, and she is very new. I think she's out of Phoenix, Arizona. Mm -hmm. She's a pretty small act, but I found her through just some other like women musicians that I listen to, that singer-songwriter aesthetic. And so we saw that she was performing at this tiny little hotel lobby in Santa Fe for free last night. And it was this very like, woo, I'm still in my 20s. I'm just going to ignore all the work (laughs) I have to do and go to a concert that's an hour away right now (laughs) after dinner. So we stayed in Santa Fe pretty late and it was just kind of a random nice night out to do something fun. And it was lovely. We got to meet her. We had a drink with her. We uh, bought her record. She signed it for us. She signed a vinyl for us. So it was very worth it. That's amazing. Yeah, that's a totally worthwhile trip. But you you didn't even know she was playing until like two hours before no, the show? No, no. Yeah, Reed, my partner, he is very just into the music scene in Albuquerque mm-hmm. and kind of trying to uh, break into like booking music and working in gigs and stuff and doing like management work. And so we keep an eye on a lot of local concerts. We go to a ton of concerts in Albuquerque, like a ton of local shows here. We kind of keep up with local bands, but we also, of course, like, are always traveling to see music. Um, music and races, those are like our vacation thing. <laughs> music and road races. <laughs> um, but he saw a notice, an email, like, hey, Danielle Dirac is playing in Santa Fe at this little hotel. And so we were like, why not? <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I'm I'm jealous. Christine and I, pre-pandemic, would go to probably, I'd say six to eight shows a year maybe on average, which Mm -hmm. I think is a lot. I know people who go to more than that, but we haven't been to one since before the pandemic. But we're at a point now where we'd be comfortable certainly going to an outdoor show, and there will be some of those here in the coming months, but indoor shows as well. And the one I'm most excited about is we bought these tickets actually two years ago. We're going to see the Lumineers at the Chase Center I in know, August so <laughs> in San Francisco. And it, I, it's worth it's going to be worth the wait. I know it will be worth the wait. So we bought these tickets in 2020. We were supposed to go see them. And since then, they released three. They released Brightside. Mm-hmm. Wesley Schultz released his own solo album, Vignettes. I love it. Over, I have it on vinyl. It's amazing. The, and, the Cheryl Crow cover. Well, it's all covers. Wesley Schultz yes. album. The Vignettes album is all covers. And so there's a great Bruce Springsteen cover on there. There's a great Cheryl mm-hmm. Crow cover. I love that album. So I'm very jealous. <laughs> yeah. And Jeremiah Freights, who plays piano, mm-hmm. also released his own yeah. album, Piano Piano. So there's all this new music that they've put out in the past two years. And I know that they'll play some percentage of it when we see them in August. So, I mean, it's a ways away at this point, but I'm counting down the the months till we get to see them. So they're my favorite band, not, not of just the moment. I've been a big fan of theirs for a while. We saw them at the Greek a few years ago, which is an mm-hmm. amazing place to see a show. Very intimate outdoor venue. They came out and played um, in the audience, which what which a dreamy just, way to see the Lumineers. <laughs> oh, I, it really, it really, really was. I mean, and this will be our fourth time seeing them. But that's the only concert that we have on the calendar right now. We may go see. This isn't going to be as spontaneous <laughs> as what you did last night, but 
Ben Harper is playing here oh, cool. in a couple weeks outdoors, and mm -hmm. we should be able to get tickets to that uh, if we're able to to make it down there. So I'm excited for the the return of music. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. I've been hitting up a lot of concerts lately, but I don't know if I ever told you this story. The Lumineers have kind of a special but funny place in my heart because they were the first concert I ever went to where I dealt with counterfeit tickets. Like I was, I'm no. OG sad girl in college listening to Lumineers self-titled titled album. It was like 2013. I was so excited about their music and my roommate and I love them. So we went to New York City to try to catch a show they were doing at the Bowery Ballroom, I think. I can't remember where it was, but it was a, you know, it was a, major New York venue and we showed up and back in 2013 people still sold actual physical tickets it wasn't right. like a Ticketmaster app on my phone I mean I think I maybe had an iPhone barely might have been my first one at that point so mm -hmm. these were not virtual tickets and we bought some pretty expensive tickets from a guy outside and they were they were rip, they were rip off they were fakes oh, and so no. we were so bummed and that was kind of a kind of a life lesson for me to not you know maybe trust that so much I've I've obviously dealt with, um, you know, buying tickets outside of sporting events with my dad before more spontaneously um, from from sellers outside the venue. But I hadn't done it with a concert and I totally got scammed. But it was to try to see the Lumineers self-titled album. So I did get to see them later on at Madison Square Garden after the Cleopatra album. But yeah, sad oh, times for me. <laughs> bummer. Lesson learned, though. I, I'm just envisioning it. Uh, I've never bought tickets outside of a venue, but I've been to plenty of sporting events, like Red Sox games in Boston yeah. outside Fenway Park, and you just walk around, people like tickets, 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 yeah. tickets, need tickets, 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 and um, yeah, I've, I've just always, it's always just given me like a weird feeling where I'm like, I would never buy tickets from these people. I but... will never do it again. It was super. <laughs> we were so embarrassed. We didn't want to tell anybody. We had told like our friends we were going to that concert, so we kind of just sulked our way back to new haven on the train got some takeout and like locked ourselves in our room <laughs> so oh, we were no. like everyone thinks we're at this concert so <laughs> we just have to stay here stay cool <laughs> but yeah it was it was like it was such a sad thing it was raining like we were walking we didn't <laughs> we didn't have money for like an uber actually i don't even think uber was around so yeah just funny concert story, but well, now everyone listening to episode two of Common Ground knows that you bought counterfeit tickets <laughs> yeah. and were shut out of the Lumineers show in 2013. So never again. <laughs> there you go. Uh, do you remember what you paid for the tickets? I'm just curious. Um, it was like I think the original price to actually get into the show, like if you didn't buy them right before, because it had sold out. I think. Mm -hmm. Um was a couple hundred and I think we paid like a hundred each. So it was a good chunk of change for the two of us who were college students. Um, but yeah, it was a bummer, <laughs> but I would never do that now. I was like 19 when I did that. So, you know, right. you live, you learn, I guess. <laughs> Where should we kick things off here this week? Well, I guess we did just kick things off know, by talking about yeah. music, but should we dive right into some recent running news that has excited us? Sure, yeah, we can we can jump in. What have you been up to? I see. I guess a lot of things have happened since we last talked. Yeah, a lot of things have happened since we last talked. This past weekend, the New York City Half Marathon happened, which we could talk about. And then also the World Indoor Championships in Serbia took place. So why don't we kick things off with World Indoors? I 
cool. did not watch any of it live. Fortunately, a bunch of the replays are up on YouTube, so I spent quite a bit of time rewatching many Same. of those races. <laughs> the most exciting one for me, I let off my newsletter with it this week, was Ajay Wilson's 800-meter yes, me gold medal. I love her. <laughs> I just thought she was due for a gold medal. Totally. She has other global medals. She's been competing on this stage for the past 10 years, which is crazy enough in itself because she's only 27 years old, nine years, I guess. I know. I guess um, she started running as a teenager professionally. <laughs> mm -hmm. But she just ran a tactically brilliant race and a very unconventional Ajay Wilson race. I mm -hmm. always expect her to go to the front. She usually does. And she didn't do it in this Not race. Not until they the came... last 200 meters. <laughs> no, she, she put herself in the lead with 200 to go and she stayed there. But it was interesting to watch it play out because they went out in 59 seconds, which is not crazy fast for women of that caliber. They came back in about the same amount of time, but she just sat patiently on the rail. She was never really boxed in at any point. She didn't really look pressed at all. And then coming in, yeah, she looked very relaxed. And then coming into that last lap, you could almost just see it. She decided, she this off. is where I make my move. <laughs> she passed and... like three people immediately. And then she kicked that thing in. Like I was, I, you could tell she just With knew authority. it was her race. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yep. And she was already running confidently up to that point. But once she took the lead and turned on the accelerator, she just looked so good and didn't even take a peek over her shoulder. And it's almost like she knew when she made the move, like nobody's catching me. Like yeah. it's just not <laughs> happening today. And no one did. No one was even close. I mean, she won that race very, very comfortably when you look at the final time. So that was the highlight of indoors for me. And that is my American bias definitely showing through. Um, also on the women's side, uh, Ellie Purrier, St. Pierre in the 3000 meters, also thought she ran tactically a, a very race sound yeah. race and came home with silver medal. But that's not to take anything away from Ijeyu Taye, who won from Ethiopia, who was basically in front the entire time. I mean, talk I about think, tactics. I think Haile won. I think Haile won. I think Taye got third. No, you're correct, actually. Yeah, Lem Lem Hailu won the race. Um, you're right. And Taye was, Ty was yeah. third. And she tried to go around Ellie on yeah. the home straight. Ellie and Ellie was like, nope. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you're not going there. And, and she had to go in. Yeah, she had to go inside. It cost her stride and it cost her half a second. And I think that was the difference between, you know, her taking silver and finishing behind Ellie. But yes, um, Hailu deserves all the credit for winning. She was in the lead for pretty much the entire race, certainly the yeah. last six laps that I saw on YouTube. And no one seemed to really want to go by her, but she also wasn't letting anyone pass her either. Um, yeah. And was never, I mean, really was never threatened for the win. I know. I noticed the announcers were talking about the Ethiopian trio hoping to go one mm -hmm. through three and Ellie just, she just sits on like the inside lane and keeps herself right. She's a very savvy racer. I feel like she's very fun to watch because she's just so gutsy. Like I just always know I can count on Ellie when she's racing. <laughs> yeah. And I think she was running that race. I, I can't, speak for her, but I'm, I'm going to try to get into her head right now. But I mean, she really wanted to be in the 1500 meters and yeah. she didn't make that team. So she yeah. had to go and make it in the 3000. And 
I know that just left the chip on her shoulder. Mm -hmm. I saw some of her comments after U.S. Indoors. I don't think she would have been very happy to go home without a medal. Yeah. And the way that she was racing, she was just marking whoever was in the front. It was Hailu for most of the race. And she was like, whatever moves get made, I'm I'm covering it. I'm going to be right there, but I'm not going to be the aggressor. And mm-hmm. and I thought that that played out pretty well for her uh, when all was said and done. I mean, if she had taken a risk, could she have gotten gold? Maybe, um, but she yeah. also could have blown up and not ended up on the medal stand. Yeah, so um, great race for Ellie Parrier, St. Pierre, her first global medal. Yeah, very exciting. And also we have a new world record in the men's 1500 meter, which I found very exciting to watch. Incredibly fast race. <laughs> I felt like they were flying. They were flying. I I have not actually watched the race. I've only read articles about it. I mean, all the headlines were Jakob lost. And it's like, well, how about Samuel Tafara won? And I mean, credit should go to him just for, for running, you know, an incredibly uh, smart race. And I mean, he passed him with what, 50 meters to go from, mm-hmm. from what I'm reading. And I mean, he's run 329, I think for 1500 meters. Uh, Gosh, I think he's the so reigning, <laughs> I think he's the reigning world champion. Everyone's like upset, yeah. upset, upset. And I, I understand yeah, like when the Olympic gold medalist loses, like that is an upset, but it's not like a nobody, you know, um, beat him. So hats off to Samuel Tefera winning the men's 1500 meters. Um, Jakob Ingerbritsen was second. I did read that he tested positive for COVID after the race and oh yeah i think i saw that headline yeah why he didn't feel well but i haven't watched it yet did you did you catch it no i just caught some highlights on youtube actually that where i was just kind of flipping through some of the men's races i caught all the women a couple of the women's races live and then caught up on the rest on youtube Mm -hmm. i need to i need to watch that one in particular i mean i read the play-by-play it sounds like tefera passed him you know 50 meters to go Jakob had no response and that's how it goes sometimes Mm -hmm. um the other part about the men's 1500 that I, I found interesting, I did just watch this before we started recording. Josh Kerr, who runs for the Brooks Beasts and represents Great Britain, Olympic medalist in his own right, was asked why he didn't run the world championships. And he basically said, you know, he doesn't need a minor medal <laughs> to, to his collection. Uh, and it wasn't worth it for him to travel all the way to Serbia. And I'm like, right. I, I look, I get it. And, you know, in the the hierarchy of global championships, you've got the Olympics, you've got the outdoor world championships, outdoor. and the, the indoor world championships isn't prioritized by many athletes as it is, you know, outdoors, which the summer will take place in Eugene, Oregon. But right. you had the Olympic gold medalist, and yeah. the reigning world champion <laughs> in that race. It was no slouch field. I mean, it was not going to be a, a hand-me medal to Josh Kerr by by any stretch. And no. I think he would have made the race a lot more interesting. So I just found I just found his his commentary about that to be um, a, like, a little bit of a head-scratcher. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, anything else from the world indoor championships no i am just very excited about ajay wilson that was really my highlight too also showing my bias but i love the 800 meters so my dad ran so i'm always i just feel like i have more insight into that race and 
she is so calm and collected. I love watching her run. I read a piece by Aaron Strout about Ajay Wilson sometime last year that was talking about how she is so calm and collected that she often consoles her coach after her own races because <laughs> her coach is more stressed more out than More nervous her. than she and is. And she's basically like an unshakable athlete. And I have just a lot of respect for her and her work ethic. Yeah. At 27 years yeah. old. But again, she's someone who has been professional for at least nine, going on 10 years now. I think she signed her first pro contract yeah. at 17 or 18 years old right yeah. after she finished high school. So she's been at it for a, a while. while. Yeah. And just great to see her get her first gold global medal. Before we move on, to show my American bias one more time and to stick with the 800 meters, Bryce Hopple. In oh, the yeah. men's race, comes <laughs> home with a bronze. Yeah, one forty six point five one. Almost forgot. Mm -hmm. um, you know, hats off to Spain's Mariana Garcia, who has just been having a phenomenal season and ran a, a tactically brilliant race. Um, yeah. and basically was for all intents and purposes, was like out of it with a lap to go and then just closed like a madman. And um he he won it in one forty six point two. Um Behind him was Kenyon Noah Kibet, who's only 17 years old, who I'm really mm -hmm. excited to follow his career. I hope that he has a long one because watching him run, I mean, he's a great 800-meter runner, just won silver in the 800 at Worlds. But I'm looking <laughs> at, at him, 17. I'm like, yeah, at 17, uh, I'm like, this dude is going to be an incredible 1,500-meter runner someday. Uh, yeah. That's just me watching him watching him move. But like um, He has the gas for it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he, you just look at him and you're like, okay, you're a good 800-meter runner, but you take those skills up to the 1,500 meters. If you've got the strength to go with it, I mean, he could be dangerous in that event. But Bryce Hopple, um, bronze medal, 146.51. He was in it the entire yeah, time. he was. And he clawed his way to third. <laughs> Yeah, he definitely clawed his way to third, uh, but he was rewarded for his efforts, mm -hmm. and he brings home a global medal. And regardless of what Josh Kerr says, I am I am not going to diminish a global medal, whether it's indoors, outdoors, right. doesn't matter. He was there, he performed well, and he is rewarded as a global medalist. That's awesome. Yeah, that was a really fun one to watch. Um, New York City Half was the other big event this First past weekend new york roadrunner race since if to full scale i read since the pandemic so that, that is correct since the onset of the pandemic so that's a really exciting thing for the city and i think for a lot of professionals out there too <laughs> yeah 100 percent. and on the professional side both fields were absolutely stacked very much as so. competitive as they've ever been a number of athletes who we're racing in New York this past weekend, at least this past weekend, as of this conversation, are prepping for Boston Marathon. There are a number of mm -hmm. folks in both fields who were focusing on this race. I think the the winners of both races for sure, uh, and a couple others as well. And I think the fact that London Marathon is not happening until fall really created this opportunity for a lot of athletes to go to New York and just run a competitive spring half marathon since, you know, uh, there's, there's just less racing options, I yeah. guess, early on this year versus, versus years past. And they got an incredible day. It was like 50 degrees at the start, very minimal. Oh, I didn't wind. look at I, the weather. Yeah. That sounds amazing. That's perfect. 
conditions for half. <laughs> yeah, I, I ran this race in 2018 and it was oh, not okay. bad. It was it was like 20 degrees. Uh, it I was a like headwind the entire way. New York leg. is a little bit temperamental, so. <laughs> yeah, it was freezing cold, but uh, they got a really, really nice March day and the times reflected that. I mean, it's not just because the conditions were perfect. The competition was really strong as well. And I've always been a big believer that strong competition is what's going to bring out fast times because this is not known as a a fast course. But for the course, um, both men and women ran very, very fast. I mean, Ronix Capruto, who is one of the best road racers in the world, 10K world record holder, on the road, just a dangerous, dangerous man on the roads. Um, <laughs> half marathon is on the longer end of the spectrum for him, but he won the race in one hour, 30 seconds. He was seven seconds up on Edward Cheserick, also running on the longer end of his right. range. Really, really solid result for King Ches. Um, on the women's side, oh, there's I a mean, new course record. It was, yeah, I, I did mean, watch for, the finish. I didn't get to watch it live, but I had to watch the finish because I was like, this was a very close race for a half marathon. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that, that's what it was. It was a foot race to the finish. I yeah. mean, you had Sinberry Teferi from Ethiopia, 107.35, mm-hmm. held off Irene Cheptai, 107.37. Uh, I mean, they were just, they were just battling in Central Park all the yeah, way to the right, finish line. Right to the and, end. They broke Molly Huddle's course record. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, Molly Huddle, great cross country runner, mm-hmm. road racer in her own right. I can't remember what year she did that or what the competition was like, but I mean, that was a stout, stout record and mm-hmm. they took it down. Um, so great racing on the women's side as well. Some strong American performances in the top 10. Um, a lot of people talked about how Sarah Hall just had a tough day. Um, you know, they'll mention Steph Bruce in tenth, who I thought had a really, really solid day. Lindsay Flanagan has not gotten a lot of cred mm-hmm. for finishing fifth. I mean, for her to run one oh nine fifty on that course, as I understand it, she's gonna be running the Paris Marathon, which is coming up. So that was her last prep race for Paris. Uh she's one of the I would call her underrated, unheralded. Yeah. American distance runners. I had her on my podcast maybe two years ago at this point. She has an awesome story. And I mean, that was just a phenomenal race for her to run 109.50 on that course. She's clearly very, very fit. And I think she's more of a marathoner than she is a half marathoner. So I'm excited to see what she can do at Paris here soon. That's exciting. Yeah, for sure. That's an exciting field. I'm excited for Boston and to see what, what happens there with the women's race. That's all I've got on the racing front that I've been paying super close attention to there. I mean, there's always a a lot happening around the world, but it's tough to keep tabs on all of it. Anything else jump out to you that you wanted to bring up into discussion? No, I think that, I think we pretty much covered it. I'm always excited about indoors. That's kind of my favorite season personally. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm with you, like respect indoor season (laughs) in terms of competition and meets. So yeah, I'm just looking forward to, Watching the Boston Marathon, that's what's on my – that's kind of what's on my radar moving forward. Do you have any particular athletes that you're following more closely than others for Boston this oh, year? Oh, absolutely. I've talked about this last time. Nell. I'm obsessed with Nell Rojas. I think she's hilarious. I think she's uh, – just really fun role model as well as like a woman of color. Um, you know, I just had such a, a good time following her journey and mm-hmm. um, I'm connected to her family in a lot of ways and – our dads are friends and know each other. So I'm always very invested in Nell. Love watching her race. Um, and 
I'm a big Molly Seidel fan as well, actually. I really love watching her race, too. <laughs> yeah, I echo all of that. Uh, it was a bummer that Molly had to pull out of the NYC I that, yeah. half. I, I know that she is back training, just wasn't race mm -hmm. ready, which if Boston's the big goal, that's a very that smart move. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yep, <laughs> we'll allow her to keep the momentum going. But yeah, her and Nell, who was the top American finisher at last Falls Boston Marathon, which every feels time I say surreal. that, it feels really, really <laughs> weird for me to say. Um, but I just had her on my podcast. I it's know. the first time I have ever spoken to her. And I, I mean, I was already a Nell Rojas fan. I'm a bigger Nell Rojas fan now. She's so cool. She's I mean, so she's funny. just really, really cool. She's hilarious. Oh, my God. She is hilarious, um, which I know you, you know firsthand from having her and her dad on your podcast. And like yeah. you said, you've got that long connection. But man, I just found her to be be so funny, especially when she was talking about her relationship to her dad, who is mm -hmm. also her coach. And you and I were texting about this because you have a similar relationship to your dad, yeah. who you know was your coach for a lot of years, like growing up. And I was like, oh, I'm like, she and Danae are just kindred spirits. They yeah, really, she did really a are. live show um, with Allie from mm -hmm. uh, Allie on the Run podcast, Allie Fowler. Um, she interviewed Nell and Rick, her, Nell's dad, together. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was, I think it was at the Tracksmith, like track yep. house in Boston. Um, but I listened to the recording of it and I feel like that really captures, if anyone wants to kind of know more, I feel like that conversation also captured the hilarious kind of father, daughter, coach, athlete relationship that is something that it, you almost can't explain. You have to see it. <laughs> you have to hear it. And uh, yeah, I just, I love watching her run. And I love too that in interviews, she's just not afraid to be herself. I, I love when athletes kind of are able to, to, to break that wall a little bit mm -hmm. and, and connect with, um, you know, the fans and in, in different ways. And I think she loves speaking to young women of color and I've just had some really fun conversations with her. So I feel like I always have like a stake in the game when I'm watching her race because of that. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of my biggest takeaways from the conversation that I had with her. And I asked her about identity. And she mm -hmm. said that runner is not one of the first ways that she identifies herself. Mm -hmm. The biggest way that she identifies herself is exactly what you just said, as a role model for other women of color, Latina women specifically, also more fit women, I guess, would be the best way to describe it. It's tough talking about women's bodies. And that's the way I think she described it, because she does not have that conventional, quote unquote, runner's body that gets portrayed a lot in the right. media. And she sees herself as, I don't know, figurehead is the right word, but as someone to, to look up to who is just a, a strong woman. And that's something that she is very, very proud of. Yeah, she kind of mentioned that on my show too. And I, I really appreciate her for bringing that up because she shares a lot of her content as a weightlifter and as someone who hits the weight room really hard, which I'm sure many runners have an awesome weight routine. But I love that Nell is really open about her cross training and really valuing like other things outside of running. And mm -hmm. I think that is what kind of keeps her strong and keeps her um she's a very she's a strong racer like she's a she's also a gutsy runner and so i yeah i think she's just she's kind of in this new wave of young female athletes that i've really had a fun time following on social media and she posts a lot of her training her dad takes a lot of the videos so i just love that <laughs> i need to get her dad on my podcast it'd be fun to get He's the two of them hysterical. like you did but yeah i just feel like 
he, from what I've seen and heard of him, he is an incredible storyteller. And I feel like it'd be one of those conversations where I really wouldn't have to do much. I just tee him up on a topic and let him go. And he'll tell the most exactly. amazing <laughs> stories. And you just want to sit there and listen to it for hours. Yes. At least I running would. wisdom. He's kind of got that encyclopedic knowledge that my dad has about a lot of things. So that's always fun. That's, uh, that's very common for coaches. I feel like you have that too. <laughs> no. The coaches in my life have that, <laughs> that energy. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe like encyclopedic knowledge. I, I, yeah, I, I, I guess so. I mean. You do because you live, you, you know, you live in this world full time. Yeah. And I think that it does take that kind of level of real time engagement to, to be up to date on things and what's happening. But yeah. I'll take your word for it. I think so. <laughs> Where do we go from here? Mm. Where do you want to go from here? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I, what have you, you said you're going to register for a track meet soon. I want to know what your training is looking like. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were just mentioning before we hit record on this podcast, how your dad is going to be at Stanford this Friday to catch the distance action Yes, down there on the track. And I was like, oh, that's actually a, Good reminder for me because I have until tomorrow as of this conversation to register for another meet that is taking place in the Bay Area at the same time. And it's called the Mike Finelli Track Classic. I actually had Mike Finelli on my podcast a few years ago. So if you haven't listened to that, check it out. Talk about like encyclopedic knowledge of running and track history. I mean, mm -hmm. he he is probably the top living historian of the sport. Uh, but he has a track meet named after him in San Francisco. It used to be called the San Francisco State Distance Carnival. And that Stanford meet is very exclusive. It is hard to get into. Mm -hmm. The 5,000, yeah, 10,000 in particular are annually the deepest, fastest five and 10,000 meter races that happen in this country. 1500 meters, which typically take place on Saturday, are also fast. So San Francisco State, I'm assuming years ago, had this great idea to host an accompanying meet where people who couldn't <laughs> get into Stanford could go and still run really fast times. And they have 5,000s, they have 10,000s. Uh, year in and year out, they're very, very fast. But I mean, they also are much more inclusive the qualifying standards aren't quite as strict as stanford so the men's 1500 meter qualifying standard is 410 and i ran 414 at the end of january at one of the cal open meets mm -hmm. and i have been looking for another opportunity to get back on the track and i have till entries close tomorrow night to throw my name in the hat for the mike finelli track classic and if they accept me i will be racing 1500 meters against a field that is let's just say half my age uh and then some and i'm hoping that i get put in the appropriate heat and have the opportunity to try and not earlier in the day should i send my dad there first <laughs> He actually, he might be able to go there first because all the Stanford races take place after 5 p.m. And all they say on the website for the Finelli meet right now is that once all the entries are in, they'll release the schedule. But the track events 
on Friday will take place between 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. So he could go watch track all day if he wants to. I'll have to just like touch base with your dad and say, yeah. hey, Hit Doug, I need <laughs> I need a coach at the track <laughs> exactly. to yell my splits, uh, to tell me that oh, I need to get off the rail. <laughs> Whether you yeah, need I, them or not, he will be taking <laughs> your splits if he's there. <laughs> in, in real time, he could be there yelling. At, yeah, I'll get him a coach's pass or whatever. Um, he could be there on the track uh, yelling splits for me in the 1500 meters. So I've hopefully got that coming up here on April 1st. Um, not to go off on too much of a tangent, it's somewhat related, but the... U.S. Masters Indoor Championships also took place this past oh, weekend cool. okay. in New York at the Armory. So this is 40 plus. And right. I could only look at the results. I didn't watch any of the meet live, even though it was streaming somewhere, I think on Runner Space maybe. But I was mm-hmm. looking at the results because I would love to run in that meet next year. So I was eyeing yeah. the men's mile 40 to 44. And it was really fast. I mean, it was like 421 won the mile. And there was another guy like 423 and a couple more under 430. And I think 432 was fifth. And my 1500 I ran at the end of January was like the equivalent of a 432. I'm like, oh, I could be competitive in that meet next yeah, year. Yeah, I was going to say, so, it sounds like that's in your range right now. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's just, it's kind of silly. Uh how much that's exciting me at this point of my life, having been at it for 25 years or so. But as I tell my athletes, whatever gets you excited. Uh, And for me right now, racing in the master's ranks as a 40 plus year old, um, starting two months from this conversation uh, is really exciting me. So I think that's exciting. I feel like it's a little bit of a second wind at track. Like it kind of is. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's it, it is kind of a, a bit of a fresh start because yeah. at least at at the national level, um, you're only racing against other forty year olds, and if mm-hmm. the meet is deep enough, they break it down by five year age group. So then it's like forty to forty four, forty five to forty nine, fifty to fifty four, fifty five to fifty nine. So I, I don't know. It just feels a lot more level than it does for me right now as someone who is thirty nine on the brink of forty. And like I said, I go to these meets and I'm racing against like nineteen year old kids <laughs> who just sit on the old man for three laps and blow my doors off with two hundred to go, which is exactly what happened at Berkeley uh, at the end of January. I'm not bitter about it, I swear. Um, but yeah, it is. It's kind of a fresh start. Um, so I get it now. I mean, I've coached master's runners for quite a few years now. And now that I'm going to become a master's runner myself, I'm just I'm really kind of um, pleasantly mystified by how it's reinvigorated my competitive fire to get back on the track. I love it. I think that's amazing. And I also think it's really badass, at least that you can <laughs> that you're there racing people of all ages like that is a, a privilege and a cool thing. And I don't know. Yeah, I think you're I think you're going to do great once you get into the master's. <laughs> well, thank you. And to, to wrap this part of the conversation up, if you're listening to this, wherever you live, now that we are getting into spring, summer is around the corner, go online and look to see if there are local open track and field meets in your area, wherever you live. They are in mm-hmm. most places around the country where a local track club or running club, will put them on. We have them here in Marin County where I live, the Tamelpa Runners put them on one Tuesday a month. They're open to everyone. We have some here too in Albuquerque. And that is, Mm -hmm. yeah, and that is one of the coolest things about it is you go to this meet 
And there's such a wide range of ability levels, but also ages. I mean, a couple summers ago, I took my track group up there and I had a number of people race on the track for the first time in their life. Wow, that's so fun. What a special moment. Yeah, it was so cool, but it was a very like non-intimidating environment. I mean, the track can be an intimidating place. You know this yes. <laughs> as well as anybody. But, you know, when you're there and you see, oh, well, there's like some 70 and 80-year-olds running in some of these races. There's like six to eight-year-old kids running in some of these races. Um, it just feels really inclusive in that way. And it's cool to be a part of, and it's inspiring. I mean, I see someone who's like, you know, in their 80s running 800 meters, and I'm like, holy cow like they're still at it they're pushing just as hard as i am like i find that incredibly inspiring and i also see like a little kid who's at the track for the first mm-hmm. time and it's just like such a you know for a kid to like you know race from here to there i mean it's just it's just That's such awesome. a beautiful thing to you know to watch so i encourage anyone who is listening to this um whether you raced in high school college especially if you haven't look in mm. your local area for open track meets this summer and enter one. They're usually pretty cheap. You can sign up the day of. Uh, you could run anything from probably 100 meters all the way up to three or 5,000 meters, depending on you know what it is that they offer. Um, but I promise you, you will love it. Um, you will absolutely love it. So if you have one takeaway from this conversation, <laughs> I hope that I hope that that's it. Go to an open, enter an open track meet. <laughs> yes, um, I've actually never done that. So- So I appreciate that call out right now. I have not raced on a track since high school. I have only worked out on a track since then. And I find the track to be a very intimidating place to race. I much prefer a road course, a trail course, anything. I'm afraid of the track. (laughs) Catch me up on where you're at right now. We haven't talked about your running or the state of your, let's just call it foot health in a couple weeks. I know that you yeah. are planning to run the New York City Marathon later this year. Yeah. Where are you at right now? Yeah, I'm really excited. I have a couple things on the calendar, actually, which sounds very professional. Um, <laughs> I can't I can't quite announce all the like projects and partnerships mm-hmm. I'm working on uh, just yet. And hopefully those are coming very soon. If you are a listener of my show or keep up with me on social media, um, my podcast has been like a little bit up and down, but that's because I've been doing so much stuff on the back end to negotiate a couple of upcoming projects. But I'm really excited that I should be Hopefully this doesn't change or, uh, you know, nothing happens. All things go well. Um, hopefully I will be at the uh, New York City Mini 10K. So I will hopefully awesome. be running that, and that is in June. So I am kind of getting started on that. I'm doing well right now, kind of transitioning out of what was a lot of walking this uh, mm-hmm. this winter. Um, and I, I mean walking like a lot, like three, four miles to get used to having my – a day to get used to having my feet, you know, moving and just being on my feet for that long for, you know, over an hour, things like that. Um, I just kind of had to get back into – fitness in general, which I talked a little bit about in our last episode, I think. But mm-hmm. now I'm getting back into the running piece of it, and it is very hard. <laughs> but I'm still here kind of trucking along, trying to do a little bit less with my watch and you know, not trying to stress about Strava and Garmin and, and all of those things and just make sure that I get outside every day. And usually if I follow that advice... I sometimes run like it is actually a run and my workout happens. And so I'm like, okay, all I have to do is get outside. That's what I tell myself because it's so hard when you come out of an injury and, 
and I even like when I first got back into it a, a month ago or a couple weeks ago was feeling a little bit of, I don't know, like I have a little tweak here or there in my foot and I freak out and I'm like, oh my gosh, is, am I, is everything okay? I'm kind of managing some tendonitis right now. So um, that's kind of been a part of the past year for me. And I'm just trying to keep that as healthy as possible with some strength and movement work so that I can get into my 10K training plan. Yeah, very soon. That That is so true. The hardest step for most people is literally getting out the door. Yeah. And if you can take that first step and get out the door, you've already won. I mean, you've you've gotten outside and then things start to click, right? You're like, well, I'm out here. I might as well start moving. And then you start moving. And as you're moving, you might get the thought, as long as you're healthy enough to do so, maybe I'll start running a little bit. Right, um, exactly. And it's just like one little thing leads to the next. And that's how you build momentum. And I don't want to speak for you, but I'm sure you feel so much better when you finish and go back in your house than you did while you were, you know, fighting the resistance to get out in the first place. Yeah. And at the end of my show, if you listen to my show, I always say, make sure you get outside today, because that's basically what's helped me continue Mm -hmm. to do things related to movement is I kind of stopped thinking about it as I have to run, I have to run. I think I, I, I probably brought this upon myself, but running became a more pressure packed thing for me as soon as I started podcasting and working in this area. It used to be the thing I did outside of work, the thing I did outside of um, the rest of my life. And it was kind of just for me, it was this private thing. And then my life kind of my world kind of blew up and spiraled into a lot of running podcasting and you know being in different magazines and working with different brands and all of a sudden everyone cared about my running and I think and I wasn't actually in a place to be able to run for the past year so it was a little strange to have a spotlight on it because I've never had anyone be invested in any type of injury I've had or any type of running schedule or race that I've had Um, so that added a little bit of extra pressure so I had to start thinking about it as like okay I'm not doing this to measure the time or the distance I just need to get outside today and kind of reconnect a little bit to why I raced in the first place, why I ran and trained for things in the first place. This tra- a training cycle for me was always my happy place, I think, uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. Ever since high school, leaving cross country, if I was in a training cycle, I knew my life was pretty fun and pretty healthy. And I would lean on that a lot, I think, throughout college and, and even in my professional life beyond. And so now I'm now it's like the training cycle is stressful. So I'm trying to work that back and figure out how I can get it back to being this fun thing. <laughs> Yeah, we talked a bit about that on the last episode of Common Ground, how you were trying to navigate that kind of, you know, murky space between this being something that you do for you, but it's also very much tied into a lot of the work that you're doing through your podcast, but also all of these other amazing opportunities that, you know, that have that have come your way. So I'm glad to hear that you're seemingly in a better place with it than you were just a month ago. So yeah, that, it's helpful to progress. have a race on the calendar too. Yeah. And like, I, I also may run the Boulder Boulder 10 K, but as more of a walk run casual, mm-hmm. I haven't decided yet. It's a couple weeks before the New York mini 10 K, but I'm going to focus on, on that race um, for now. But it's just nice to officially kind of be like, okay, I'm going to be doing something in the future to look to. And, and I'm going to treat it as, 
as a personal training cycle that mm -hmm. is for me and kind of nobody else because I think I, I need that uh, before I embark on the marathon journey. <laughs> Yeah. And that selfishness is totally okay and necessary, I think, in a yeah. lot of ways, especially given what you do. Have you ever run that 10K loop at Central Park? I have not, but I have run two half marathons in Central Park and okay. they were both pretty brutal. <laughs> were they double loops of the park, essentially? Yeah, basically. Oh, oh uh, that is brutal. It was brutal. I've run two there. I, I don't mind hills. So um, I think, I don't know, I've just never been afraid of hills. I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of trails in New Mexico here that are extremely hilly and we live at altitude. And so there's just, there's a lot of different terrain here and I've always really enjoyed like very technical courses. And so, um, yeah, I think that's why I thrived running in New York. But by the time I did it the second time around, I was like, okay, I probably shouldn't, I should probably stop running half marathons <laughs> in New York because I am not getting good times out of these. I need to pick some flatter courses. Um, but, uh, but I'm excited. I've not, I've not run like the 10 K distance in New York. Um, that race is put on by New York Roadrunners, So mm -hmm. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I was joking with one of my athletes last week that there are no flat races in New York. Like you don't no, go to New York no. to run fast unless you're going to the armory to run indoors. That's about the only place that you can run fast in New York. But whether you're running that 10K loop in Central Park, the aforementioned New York City Half Marathon, certainly the New York City Marathon, uh, which is one of the more Great. challenging <laughs> marathon courses. Come on, you knew this, today. You, you knew that it was tough and hilly. Um, that, that's and then I was like, yeah, and surprise. then my fun tune-up race will be the boulder boulder <laughs> which is super high elevation and also extremely hilly but i've run that a million times so yeah that's more of a family vacation my family will be there running so i'm kind of doing it i'm either going to be spectating or doing it very casually yeah. that way i can just participate <laughs> cool yeah it's fun to just like participate in a in a race weekend especially if you can take part in the event i mean even if you're not racing it like you said run walking or even just being there to support your family is yeah. And my sister, cool my sister's running more now too. So I'm really excited about that. I don't know if I told you this, but she took a running class at Stanford this past quarter. Did no I tell way. you that? No, yeah. you haven't told me this. It was kind of cool. And I, I guess I, I just hadn't mentioned this, um, but I've never heard of taking a course like solely based on running in college, but they have a whole array of fitness classes that she could take. And she, she did not uh, run cross country or track like I did in high school. She did tennis, mm -hmm. which is a conflicting, obviously, spring sport. And then she also played fall sometimes. So her schedule was already very busy. So she was um, not quite as attached to the same sports that I was, that our dad was coaching. So I think for her, she was like, hey, I never really got to experience that at home in the same way. Let me take this college course and I've just been kind of following along with her because <laughs> part of it was learning how to make a training log, learning how to like do injury prevention, how to foam roll, how to, um, it was cool. really cool. Just like being able to take a basic class. And I was thinking like, somebody should offer these types of, I don't know, short term mini classes on introduction to running or even like tuning up your running. Cause I think I don't know. I fall into the routine of just knowing what I've been doing for so long that I haven't thought to do things in new ways. I haven't seen mm -hmm. how other people do things or for instance, like log their running like for, and for her, it was really important to like, I think they did it by writing and would write about what they were doing handwritten. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of cool to, to hear that she was getting a chance to learn all of that in an environment that was a little more, I think safe and non-judgmental, but, right. um, but as a part of their, 
as a part of their uh, work, I think it was more of a participation grade. They had to run this uh, this course called the Dish, and it's it's oh I know the yeah. Dish. <laughs> it's it's hilly. It's basically just one giant hill, like for a mile and a half, and then you turn around and run down it. But it was so hard. She 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 sent me her um you know her Garmin splits on it and stuff, and I I felt for them. Those kids had to run up the hill <laughs> for for a, a good portion of that 5K. But it was a it was a Stanford kind of sponsor thing so it was just really fun to see that she had that opportunity <laughs> that's cool so this is a course that she got credit for yes. as well so it's an academic course for her so they and they did a lot of stuff too around just calculating your heart rate and do mm -hmm. it was kind of function like a health course but it was very running specific they talked about everything from shoes to pace to um, the different types of workouts there are out there which again because I think she hadn't engaged with the sport you know through actually like competing in it, it was really helpful. So yeah, it was, it was a cool thing and I had never seen it, but very exciting. <laughs> Last question about that. Do you have any idea who taught the course? Not off the top of my head, but I'll, I can probably get that info for you. I think it's, um, somebody on staff there, probably like a professor, assistant professor, yeah. but yeah, I'm super interested. I mean, obviously Stanford is a top academic institution, right. but they have a very rich and deep history of running at yeah. that school. I mean, incredible programs year in and year out. But, and that's been going on for yeah. decades at this point. And Nina was doing workouts like on the track, on grass at times. They would do different hill workouts. They would do speed workouts. It was just a cool experience for her um, to engage with running like that. And I, I just thought that was awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. I've never heard of that as mm -hmm. a, an option that you could take as a class in college to like do a semester of, of running. I mean, what a cool way to just like learn about the sport, hopefully develop good habits. And if you enjoy it enough, make it part of your lifestyle from there on out. Yeah. We're kind of roping her in. She's like running now as a part of her, as a part of her routine. So I'm very excited <laughs> now that she's not doing, um, tennis as competitively as she used to. Mm -hmm. I think running is becoming, uh, one of her outlets as well through college and a de-stressor. So it's kind of fun. Now everyone in our family can be very involved in the Garmin family challenges. <laughs> Have you and your sister ever gone on a run together? Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been okay. on runs with her. Yeah. She's, she's run for a long time, but, um, just not as, not as seriously in the sense that it was just maybe here or there, you know, but, um, cause tennis very different sport. Yep. Um, lots of different, like they run in tennis a lot. Cause sometimes she would show me her, her watch, um, you know, after a tennis match, we, she would wear it for just one or something to see how long and she'd be out there for miles because she'd be playing for, you know, four hours. Sometimes these matches go on for a really long time. And so it was crazy to see what her endurance was coming out of tennis. And I think she, it was actually pretty seamless into running and she's, she's a great runner. Yeah. She's doing really well and has probably a lot less stress on her joints because she didn't run for most of you know, the past mm -hmm. few decades. And so she's able to really get into it now and challenge herself. So I think she'll be doing the Boulder Boulder as well. Um, yeah, it'll be a family affair. <laughs> awesome. Good for her. Yeah. How should we wrap this one up? We've got about 10 minutes or so to go. Should we cover some industry stuff? Sure, we can. I know you noted the um, RIDC director announcement. And I don't know if there's anything else you had on your mind. Um, that was the big one. Yeah. Just a few days ago, the running industry 
Diversity Coalition named Kira Smalls as the organization's first executive director, which is really awesome. I had Allison Desir on my podcast a few months ago, and at the time, they didn't have an executive director. I mean, the organization is is still relatively new, and and I asked her, um, like, how does this thing con- continue to just exist um, without having you know, full-time resources put into it. And she explained how they were in the process of, um, you know, searching, I don't think specifically for an executive director at the time, but they were just trying to get enough backing so that they could put this person into place and just really have someone who was focused on it. Because, I mean, their their board members are, are great, but they're they're all pretty busy in, in their own right. Um, so it would have been hard to like really keep that sustainable without someone who is focused on it full time. But now Kira Smalls will be doing that. That's going to be her job. And I think that is just a, a huge and important step for the RIDC um, as it continues to grow and evolve. Right. And they bring together so many different entities um, from, I would say, people in the industry that are working hands-on as race directors to people who are writing about the sport. And I've appreciated so much of Allison Desir's work. Very much looking forward to her upcoming book, um, which, you know, I think I think you can pre-order it now. But I'm mm-hmm. very excited about that. And yeah, one, one other thing, actually, industry-wise, I've been thinking about lately. This is sort of related, but not directly related to RIDC, is that I just got a copy of uh, the most recent issue of Trail Runner magazine in the mail the other day. And I was very excited to see just so many amazing pieces in there. And I think for me, I've, I'm somebody who follows a lot of different magazine outlets, and I love reading just things about running generally. And um, as a native runner, I would say there's been a lot of different commentary criticism, you could say, around Trail Runner magazine specifically. Um, but I just noticed that there was just a real concerted effort to have so many runners of color in the most recent issue. There's a great feature in there on Carolyn Sue, um, who runs Diverse We Run, mm-hmm. who's been on my show, been on your show, um, mm-hmm. and just some folks who are involved in the the RIDC, which we were just talking about. Um, I think there's a little highlight in there with Allison in this issue. And there's a couple of awesome articles about the land back movement um, and running to renew uh, and some native organizations. So it was just really, it was actually a really cool experience as a native runner to flip through the issue and see so many relevant uh, pieces there for me. I think that's really unusual for any running outlet. And so that's just, yeah, just something that's been on my mind. (laughs) That's awesome. I will have to head to a bookstore and pick that up. So I have not read a physical copy of Trail Runner magazine in, I mean, oh God, probably a couple, at least a couple of years at this point. I um, love physical magazines. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I worked in them for yeah. many, many years and, <laughs> yeah, and put one out. I, I love print as well. It's just, it's just been so long and, right. and I don't now the only running magazine that I subscribe to is called Like the Wind. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if you're familiar with it, yeah, but it's a quarterly mm-hmm. magazine. So it comes out four times a year. It's kind of a coffee table magazine. It's really, really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, perfect, like perfect binding, um, high quality 
paper stock, amazing storytelling, photography, and artwork. I've had Simon Freeman, who's the editor and founder on my podcast early days. I think he was like one of the first maybe 10 episodes. Uh, one of my favorite conversations too. But I've been impressed with its evolution, but also just the the breadth of stories that mm. they've been telling over the past couple of years. And certainly with everything that has gone down over the last couple of years as it relates to racial justice, um, right. certainly in running, they have really shown a bright light on that. And what's also cool about that magazine is they're based in the UK, but they have global reach now. And they're telling stories from here in the US, but I'm also being exposed to things that are happening in Europe. Right, like on, worldwide, like, yeah. Yeah, like the run crew scene, um, mm -hmm. like things that are happening like in the, the Middle East in terms of advocacy, um, you know, races, culture, and community that's being cultivated that I otherwise, copy, yeah. yeah, that I otherwise wouldn't be exposed to either. So shout out to Trail Runner. I'll definitely pick up the most recent issue yeah. uh, of the magazine to check that out. Um, on, on my end, I, I think Like the Wind's been doing a phenomenal job and I think it's, it's 15 bucks an issue, but it's four times a year. So I think right. so you know, it's, 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 it's worth it and you can spend some time with it. I mean, it's not something you'll flip through in, in a day. You'll want to spend, you know, a couple of weeks with it. It's mostly longer form stuff, but I'm I'm glad to hear that about Trail Runner. I've seen it in Like the Wind. I haven't picked up many other physical publications, but hopefully there's more of that happening, kind of you know industry yeah. wide. And and to bring this back to RIDC, I think they have been one of the major influences on yeah, that because um, as you said, like they're reaching media. They're also reaching shoe and apparel companies, race organizations, um, right. and just trying to... They offer workshops. You know, they yep. offer resource, resource lists. Um, you can go to their website and get, you know, different pieces of information there, but they're, they're always like hosting panels and just different opportunities to learn more about what's going on in the industry. Um, particularly I would say in, in race directing, they're doing a lot of work in that area and just trying to diversify kind of what's, what's happening and diversify the people that are at the helm of a lot of the running industry. <laughs> Yeah, and hopefully that will only continue to accelerate now with Kira at yeah, the helm. I've never cool met news. her. I don't know a lot about her, but I definitely would like to have her on my podcast and have a conversation. I'm sure you're thinking the same thing. We haven't talked yeah, about it up I until know, probably. <laughs> this point. I'm sure she's going to make the rounds here over the, the coming weeks now that that's been announced. But um, hat tip RIDC. Uh, congrats on bringing Kira on board and continuing to do the work that you're doing. Yeah. For sure. I am excited and I love Allison Desir so much and the work that she's doing. I have so much respect for her as a leader in the industry. And I feel like anytime there's something that she is collaborating on, I know that there's a lot of thought being put into it. I've had the chance to work with her personally. So I think it makes me excited that she is behind so much of this initiative and, and the hiring of, of this new director. So yeah, I'm just really excited about the future. <laughs> All right. We've got one month until the next episode of common ground comes out. So I think this will be a good place to wrap things up. Yeah. What are you most excited about in 
the next month? For me, personally, I think running-wise, personally, I'm excited to hopefully run two miles or more without stopping. Not that stopping is a bad thing, but like for me personally in my training, I'm excited to feel like I'm, feel like I'm flying again a little bit. feel like I'm not, you know, having to be winded to stop. So that's me personally. And then I think kind of professionally more on the podcast side. Um, I'm really excited about a couple of new episodes I have. Um, but, but I'm excited to dig into the Boston marathon. Like I said, I just love marathons. It's like my favorite, uh, event to spectate. And yeah, I think I'm just excited to get into the spring summer mode and, and look ahead more into running events. I love it. Um, I will answer on my end and then we'll sign off for, this episode of Common Ground for me, it is also Boston. I grew up in the area. I've run the race five times. I have been involved with it to one degree or another for the past 18 years with the exception of 2013, which was the year I got married, which happened two days before the Boston Marathon, so I didn't go that year. I will be there this year supporting the five athletes that I have who are racing. I'm doing some events at Tracksmith. I was just there six months ago and raced it myself, but now we're back to our normal April date, and that is really exciting. And I just can't wait to be a part of the the weekend. And and honestly, it's more fun. I think when I'm when I'm not racing the Boston Marathon, I can just really like um, get away with a little bit more, and not have to be like quite as strict about yeah. you know, how late I'm staying out or what a meeting, you know, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I'm excited to be in Boston. That's what's exciting me most, running wise, here over the next month. I'm going to be competing a little bit myself. The aforementioned 1500 meters at San Francisco State yeah, on April 1st, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm also going to race the 5K at the Boston Marathon. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, well, you mentioned that in the last episode. Saturday, yeah, yeah. yeah Saturday awesome. before. Uh, so two days before the marathon, the BA 5K will take place um, from Boston Common, run a loop around downtown and finish back there. Uh, those fields were just announced. They are stacked. Um, the women's field is really, really fast. A lot of top Americans there. I think we start with them. So I think like my strategy is just going to be to like jump on the Excellent. U.S. women's train <laughs> and see if I can hang on for 5K. Um, so maybe we'll have that to talk about Yes, I'll look time. up your results <laughs> for that. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I think professionally – um, most of my athletes are up and racing this time of year. So it's fun to have events to focus on again, Boston being a big one, but various other races as well. So that has been occupying most of my working time is just yeah. helping my athletes, um, you know, work toward their goals as far as the newsletter and the podcast go, keeping the same cadence, not really trying anything new. I have been having a lot of fun with a monthly Patreon feature called Coach's Corner that we've been doing. Um, We're actually going to record the third one, uh, which will be the March edition this Mm -hmm. coming weekend. Uh, But the first two had John Green, who's Molly Seidel's coach on. We talked marathon training. The second one had Pete McGill on, who is one of the top masters runners in American history talking about uh, training and racing as as one gets older. And those are just 
super fun. We have a live audience that tunes into them, members of our Patreon community, and then we repost it afterward. Those have been really, really well received because I just get to geek out about training stuff for an hour, which I love Which I feel like is actually trying something new in your show. For me, it is. Yeah, that's actually that's (laughs) actually true. That is. You're like I'm trying nothing new. Nothing changes. (laughs) Well, I mean, we've done two of them now, so now it doesn't feel new anymore. It's like okay, this is yeah, this is just what I do each month. Um, So. Looking forward to continuing that here. And I think that's yeah. all I've got. Awesome. I'm. It's spring. It's summer. I feel like it's like time to be outdoors for me already in New Mexico. I'm like feeling I'm even though it's only spring, like in New Mexico, it's about to feel like summer. So that's why I say that it's like feels like one season to me. But um, I'm just excited to get outside and run. So hopefully if anyone has any questions for us, any of our listeners mm-hmm. um, that things that you want us to cover in future episodes or questions for me or Mario or both of us, we're happy to answer. Send it our way. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> Yeah, you can hit us up on social media. I am at the AM Shakeout on Instagram and Twitter. And Danae, you are at at Grounded Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Cool. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We will catch you next month. All right, that's it for the second installment of Common Ground. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen in. Also, a big thank you to New Balance, Gooder, and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race for making it possible. If you're looking for a go-fast chew for workouts and maybe even racing, look no further than the Fuel Cell Rebel V2. I absolutely love this shoe. It's lightweight, it's low to the ground, and it's incredibly lively. It is just so fun to run in. It's available in both men's and women's sizes on newbalance.com or at your local run specialty retail store. Check them out and give them a try today. Gooder sunglasses are my favorite shades to run in, drive, walk the dog, and pretty much anything else that I do outside. They don't bounce, they won't slip, and they're polarized to protect your eyes. Best of all, they're super affordable, with most pairs coming in at just 25 to 35 bucks a piece. If you'd like to support me in the podcast, treat yourself to a pair or two or maybe three of Gooders and head over to Gooder.com slash Mario and use the code Mario15 to get 15% off your entire order. Member and lottery registration for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta, Georgia is going on right now. The race returns to one day this year and will take place on Monday, July 4th. Atlanta Track Club members receive guaranteed entry and lowest price entry. Non-members must enter through the lottery and will be notified if selected on April 4th. In-person registration is only open until March 31st, so get yours in today. Virtual registration is open until May 31st. You can register today at AJC.com slash Peachtree. Before we wrap up, I'd like to give a shout out, as always, to my man John Summerford of BearsRecords.com. He's produced every episode of the podcast and is the reason this show sounds as good as it does week in and week out. Also, thank you to Jeffrey Stern for the social media assistance and Chris Douglas for handling sponsorship sales and being my right-hand man. I don't have a big team here at the Morning Shakeout, but these three guys play key roles in helping keep this ship afloat. Last thing, if you're digging the podcast, I encourage you to sign up for my newsletter. 
also called The Morning Shakeout, at themorningshakeout.com slash subscribe. And you'll get my weekly take on what's happening in the world of running, along with a collection of things that I've been thinking about reading and listening to that you might enjoy getting in your inbox every Tuesday morning. Okay, that's all I've got. I'm Mario Fraioli, and for Danae Doremi, this has been another episode of Common Ground. <laughs>